Divine favor given with delight, grace given to the undeserving, Chen. Chen is all about the beauties and realities of God, scripture, and the gospel. The goal is to be fluent in all of these things in the everyday experiences of life. Welcome to Chen Podcast. Grace and peace, family. Welcome back to Chen Podcast, where I share my insight as the Holy Spirit leads. I'm your host, Deandra, and this week we're touching on a different subject. We're going to be talking about the charismatic movement, some of their beliefs, and you know the practices of this movement. Um, it's definitely not an easy subject to touch on because naturally it is offensive. I've been a part of the charismatic movement for a long time. I've been um, a Pentecostal for a very long time. Um, and even when somebody brought this to my attention, even when you know, I watched the American Gospel um, and just listened to some very convicting messages, it was very offensive and it was hard for me, but it was necessary. Um, and I just thank God, you know, that he brought me to this revelation. Um, and I just pray, you know, that through my words... God would do the same for you um, if this is you. Um, and I just want you to be reminded that this is not about attacking people. This is not about coming against what you believe and trying to attack you personally. This is actually making a defense for what the Bible actually teaches as opposed to what our doctrine is that we received. Um, opposed to As opposed to what we think is the truth. But, you know, we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us the truth of God. We must be in the scriptures and we cannot place experiences and personal teachings that we received over scriptures. So we should always be Bereans looking in the word of God to see if these things are so that we grew up on, um, that we've been taught and that we're even being taught today. Um, So, yeah. Um, so I just want to, you know, encourage all of you to let you know that um, I'm speaking in grace and, you know, <laughs> Lord help me uh, to to do this with gentleness and respect. Um, but I also want you to know that these are my beliefs based on scripture. Um, you don't have to agree with them. That is okay. But at least open your ears and your hearts to at least think about what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, through the Holy Spirit, just illumining his word as I've been studying over this last year. Um, the Lord has really provided me an escape from this movement and from these circles where I just could not find rest. Um, you know, I've been in Pentecostal charismatic circles all my life and I could not find rest. Why? Because I felt like I always had to be more anointed. I always had to get to another level of spiritual ranking and I just couldn't rest. But the thing is, Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those who realize just how worthless their efforts are to God. Um, but yet Jesus, he through his atoning work on the cross he has made it so that we can be reconciled to god and that is all we need to be that's all we need to to have god well pleased with us that's it that's all we need and then the holy spirit does the rest of course through um sanctification and as he lives in us but we must remember that these things are not of value um these gifts and things they're not of extreme value um and we make it like if christians don't have these gifts that they're second class and that they're not special but it's actually very demonic in my opinion like do we if we're having divisions in the body of christ because of spiritual gifts um and we're making it like christians are not uh 
you know, worthy enough to be closer to God because they don't have a specific spiritual gift, especially something like praying in tongues. If you're making like, oh, I'm closer to God because I pray in tongues, that is extremely demonic. And if you really think heaven is that divisive, then I encourage you to get back in the scriptures. But like I said, I'm not trying to be, you know, <laughs> rude or anything, um, but it's true. There is no division in the body of Christ. There is no rankings in the spirit. There is no rankings in the body of Christ. Um, the ground is level at the cross. Jesus did this so that we would be in unity the way that he and the Father are. He said that in his high priestly prayer in John 17. Um, so, yeah. But before we get into this topic, um, this episode is called Dangers of the Charismatic Church, and we're going to be talking specifically about spiritual authority um, and specific ministries. But before we even get into that, let me pray, um, because I definitely want to lean heavily on the Spirit of God for this. Um, So Heavenly Father, just bringing this before you, asking that you would give me the words um, to say in this episode, Lord God, Lord, please allow me to do this and deliver this with gentleness and respect love and grace but also truth um help me not to be unnecessarily harsh help me not to be unnecessarily uh judgmental or critical or anything like that lord i pray that these words will just be delivered um through your fruit of the spirit in jesus name and lord um i pray that these words you would use them lord god to wake up somebody or make them spiritually alive so that they can see the truth of your word i pray lord that you would put a desire in their hearts to truly search the scriptures and to be a berean um noble and searching the scriptures to see if all the things are so that they have been taught their whole lives and even what they're being taught now in jesus name um and lord if these things that they are experiencing in their churches or in their lives or from the doctrine that they're receiving are unbiblical i pray that you would give them guidance um on where they should go and what they should do in jesus name amen so um there's a few things that i'll be sourcing from for this video the first one will be the strange fire panel it was hosted by john MacArthur, in which he had some pastors um with him and they were evaluating the doctrines claims and practices of the charismatic movement and charismatic churches um, but the main goal was for them to affirm the true person and ministry of the holy spirit who the holy spirit actually is and who he is not what this holy spirit actually does and what he does not do um, but it was also to identify man-made practices of worship that are actually offensive to the holy spirit um, and not necessarily approved or pleasing to god um, so i'll also be taking a few points from alan parr's video he recently made talking about why he left the charismatic church and also some biblical observations and teachings from justin peters um, so i got this um from the panel and one of the pastors was sharing this and he shared some thrilling statistics that really scared me um because a lot of us all these you know unbiblical things that are being done um and also another note a lot of times we think the works of satan are evident um but really the works of satan can even be in the church especially you know in this movement it could really be in any type of denomination but i've seen it the most in this movement and the reason why i chose to speak on this movement is because i grew up in this movement um but a lot of people in this movement are saying oh that's not how we all do it blah 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 but the reality is that based on these statistics the charismatic movement has become mainstream worldwide the charismatic movement is what we see on tv you know you see the benny hinn the td jakes the you know etc um and it's not to you know say that all of these people are false teachers but we have to look at the experiences and the teachings that are being taught and be a berean and look in the scriptures and see 
is this so is this what the word of god says is this what the word of god teaches we have to study it y'all we cannot just take these things as facts we have to study it and um be bereans but yeah the the charismatic movement is mainstream when you look on tv that's what you see tbn all of these channels that's what you see on there um so these were the things that really scared me there's over 120 million charismatic catholics and 25 million oneness pentecostals worldwide over 90 percent of pentecostals believe in the prosperity gospel um so like hundreds of millions of people hold to this false gospel why is this dangerous and why is this scary because if you're holding to a false gospel you don't have salvation if you're holding to a false gospel you do not have the holy spirit why because there's only one gospel that leads to god there's only one gospel um, that leads to salvation there's only one gospel according to scripture that allows us to have the indwelling of the holy spirit and to be justified before god and to be sanctified and to be glorified there's only one and if it's not the gospel of jesus christ we have no hope zero hope so we have to be careful. Um, but what is the prosperity gospel? It's also known as the word of faith movement. Um, it's this view where we use God instead of God using us. Um, many of us that were are in this movement, and I'm saying us, and I'm saying we, because I believed this for a long time. Um, but in this movement, um, we see the Holy Spirit almost like a genie, a power that we put to use for whatever we will. Um, but this is wrong for several reasons. Why? Because the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person that enables us to do God's will, not a, a force or a thing that we get to do what we want. No, he gives us the power to do what God wills. And some of those very things are being able to resist sin, um, displaying the fruit of the spirit, according to Galatians 5, and 23, um, and so on and so forth. Another issue with the prosperity gospel is this pursuit of wealth. But God, he warns us consistently about the pursuit of wealth as Christians. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 3 through 10. Um, and Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Mm -mm -mm. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I want to read verse 11 too. It says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Look at this warning that God has given us about the pursuit of wealth right that's what the prosperity gospel is about this pursuit of health and wealth this promise that god is going to give us health and wealth but scripture is clear that that is not the promise you know timothy had a stomach ailment and paul told him to drink some wine for it um you know even people like uh i think it's Trophimus, or i think that's his name but paul left him sick 
um, and he died from that sickness. Um, so that goes to show that not every sickness is going to be healed. Um, not every person who is sick is going to be healed. If that was the case, Christians would never die and they would never get sick. But yet we see Christians sick all the time. As opposed to what a lot of faith healers say, they say, oh, you're sick because you don't have enough faith. But if that's the case, why don't these faith healers go and lay hands on people who are sick? Their members who are truly, truly sick. Their members who have true, true disabilities. Even going to hospitals and touching children who have cancer. Why don't they do that, you know? So we have to snap ourselves into reality and be like, wait a minute. Is that what the Bible really teaches? And no, it's not. How do we know this? Because if riches were a reasonable goal for the godly, Jesus would have pursued it himself. But he didn't. He preferred instead to have no place to lay his head, according to Matthew 8.20. And he even taught his disciples to do the same thing. Um, so reminding, I love how this says, um, we brought nothing into this world and we will take nothing with us. If, we, if all of our life is pursuit of wealth and health, what do we have in the next life when we don't have those things anymore? Those material possessions, that money. You know, we have to be careful. Um, and we should also remember, the only disciple concerned with wealth was Judas. And what happened to him, right? Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, I don't want to go too much into that because I'm really not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the charismatic church and their practices. Um, also this week, we're talking mainly about spiritual authority and ministries, but I'll get to that shortly lord willing um so moving on the reason i'm making an awareness of this and why i'm making this episode is so that we will rethink and diligently study the scriptures rightly dividing the word of truth um you know if we continue to hold to false gospels and false doctrines we will have to face god for these very things jesus says we will be judged by his word and that's another thing um we should not be judging or not judging we should not be doubting the authority of god's word you see the authority of what Jesus' words were. When he said it, it happened. When God created the world, he did it by the words of his mouth. Jesus, he healed people just by saying it sometimes. Um, so that goes to show you the power of God's words. So if we doubt the Bible, if we doubt these very words of God, there is an extreme problem here. And we have to be able to recognize that. Um, but yeah, so if we reject the the real gospel the true gospel of jesus christ we have rejected salvation and if we reject salvation we will not enter the kingdom of god and you know sadly we will be in in hell eternally if we reject the gospel of jesus christ this is the reality and i'm it's hard to talk about this sometimes but it's the truth if you reject the gospel of jesus christ according to the scriptures and you accept a different gospel our eternity will be in hell forever the wrath of God is upon those who reject this call. And that's the truth. And a lot of people like to say, oh, I can't think of God as God of wrath. If you think of God as anything opposed to what scripture says, then you don't believe in God. You don't believe in the one true God. Um, God does have, have wrath against evil. God does have wrath against what is um, unholy. God does have wrath against wickedness. Um, but he poured it out upon Christ. So Jesus died for the elect. Um, he died for those who would believe in him. So that's the good news. That's the gospel. Um, but yeah, many of the charismatic movement, they believe that tongues, prophesying, and divine healings are the only evidences of the Holy Spirit. But this is extremely dangerous. And I'll show you why in 1 Timothy chapter... Nope, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31 says... 
And this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating and various kinds of tongues. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a more excellent way. Then he goes to talk about how love is the more excellent way. Um, And then in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 8, Paul says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Um, And this is kind of what I want to talk about in these next two episodes. I'm going to split this into two parts, by the way, because I don't want it to be too long. Um, But there's a danger if we are telling people that the only evidences of the Spirit is tongues, prophesying, and divine healing. Why? Because Paul literally said... All do not possess gifts of healing. All do not speak with tongues. All do not um, do works of miracles. Not all do that. Um, And I also believe that these served a specific purpose in the early church. And they may not be as active as they are, as they were. They may not be as active today as they were then. Um, And that's just my opinion, biblically. You know, if you're against that or if you don't believe in that, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. Um, we can agree and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. That's perfectly fine. Um, but we have to understand that if we're telling people that tongues, prophesying, and divine healing are the only evidences of the Holy Spirit, everybody who does not have these dung- these gifts are excluded from having the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. And if you don't belong to Christ, you're not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian and you're not saved and you don't believe in the gospel of Christ, you're going to hell. So do you realize how detrimental this teaching is? It is very divisive, very unbiblical, very, very unsettling. Um, And even when you look at the book of 1 John, John, when he makes a a case for when somebody has truly been born again, the gifts are not mentioned. It's simply the fruit, you know, the fruit of the spirit and, you know, how we worship God, how we respond to God and etc. Not to mention, um, it's just very unhealthy if we do this. So the first thing I want to talk about, um, about the charismatic churches, at least what I've experienced, um, and it may even be on the, the wide scale, is abuse of spiritual authority. Hebrews 13, 7 says we should submit to our, our uh, leaders. Um, but in Acts 4, I believe it's in Acts 4, Peter, he's speaking to the teachers of the law and he's saying, is it better for us to obey man or is it better for us to obey God? When they told him to stop preaching Christ, he was like, is it better for us to obey you or to obey God? So it's the same way with our spiritual leaders. Um, We should be Bereans, you know, looking and seeing the scripture and studying the scriptures to see if what we're being taught, what doctrine we're receiving is accurate to scripture. Um, Like, this is just an example. Um, You know, people teach us that we are David. Oh, we're David. We're David. And our Goliath is bills and all this stuff. But really, David slayed Goliath for the reason um, because Philistine was oppressing Israel. So how does that even apply to us? David had real life enemies and we're out here saying, oh, it applies to us and our haters. When David's enemies were for real trying to kill him and end his life. So we have to be diligent in making sure when we're studying the scriptures, we're not putting ourselves in the scripture and making it like it's all about us. No, receive the scriptures as it is truly written. Don't add anything to it. Receive it as it is truly written because we will face God for that. We have to be careful. 
Um, so yeah, um, we are to submit to our spiritual leaders, but there are conditions. They are not to be dictators of our lives. They are not to be telling us what to do for every single little thing. Um, and they're also to lead by example. They are called to be godly leaders. And we should be examining the scriptures to tell if they are godly leaders and teaching us what are tr- what is true according to scripture. So any church that tells you you're not allowed to read the Bible or interpret scripture on your own, um, I would run far away. If you can't make your own personal convictions and decisions based on scripture, I would run far away. It's dangerous. Absolutely not. Um, and also there's this thing in the charismatic movement that I've experienced that only the pastor or the apostle or the overseer hears from God. Nobody else hears from God. Only they do. And that's an issue. That's an issue. Because if you can't hear from God, how can you say you're a Christian when God lives in you? That don't make no sense. Then you have the Bible, which is literally the words of God. So for them to say, oh, I have special revelation and they're the only one that can hear from God and whatever they say goes, there's an issue there. And not to mention with these leaders saying that whatever they say, they say goes, very similar to the Roman Catholic Church, which is part of why the Reformation had to happen because they were saying the church or the leaders of the church have more authority than the Bible itself. But we know that these things are not so. And if anybody has more authority in your life over the word of God, that is an issue. These are the very words of God. So if anybody has more authority in your life, if any teaching has more authority than the scriptures in your life, you need to reevaluate immediately. This is of extreme importance. So um, another issue with the abuse of spiritual authority in these churches is that we have to ask permission for every personal decision in our life. That is an issue if you have to ask permission for every personal decision in your life because now you're becoming fully dependent on them and not God. You're becoming fully dependent on them. You can't make personal convictions for yourself. You can't make personal decisions for yourself based on scripture. That is a problem. And why is this a problem? Because I've seen this where the spiritual leader or the pastor would die. People would walk completely away with the faith from the faith they wouldn't know what to do they wouldn't know how to search the scriptures for themselves or teach or even learn the scriptures for themselves they haven't been discipled properly they've been so dependent upon this person that when they die or when they uh, step down from the position these people are lost and they don't know what to do that's a problem that is a problem we should be able to live our christian lives sufficiently based and dependent upon the holy spirit not our spiritual leaders you know So, you know, this is of extreme importance. Also, another thing um, is that some of these spiritual leaders in this movement are trying to play the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, we can't make decisions for ourselves. We can't make our own conviction. uh, And it's extremely scary. An example of this, right? Drinking is just an example. There's scriptures that talk about how wine is a gift. But it also talks about how be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to things like that, we should be able to study the scriptures and say, hey, um you know is this beneficial for me all things may be permissible permissible but is this beneficial is this profitable um lord is this what you want me to do like it may not be a good idea for you to get drunk if you have an addictive personality you know if you can just eat a whole pack of gum or just eat one whole bag of chips because you love it so much it's probably not wise for you to drink wine because you have an addictive personality um that's not to say it's bad you're just doing what is best for you according to scripture you're making your personal convictions based on scripture. But there are some Christians who can drink wine for celebra- celebratory purposes on occasion. But we have people and teachers in this movement talking about if you drink, you're not a Christian. If you drink, you're going to hell. If you drink, you are do this. Like, no, that should not be happening. And you should not be listening to that. People of God, please. 
So another thing I want to talk about are prophets and apostles. Um, and this is not me attacking anybody's church. <laughs> this is just the reality that I have seen according to scripture. So in a lot of charismatic Pentecostal churches, we see this office of apostle. So what does apostle mean? Apostle means one who is sent out. Um, and there's two sightings of this in scripture. There's one specifically um, when... It is the 12 apostles of Christ, and then there's another where individuals are sent out to be messengers and ambassadors of Christ. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. So it wasn't just the 12. But here's the thing to understand. Anytime that the word apostle is used in the New Testament, it is most used for Jesus's apostles. Even Paul, he's like, you know, an apostle called by Jesus Christ or an apostle appointed by Jesus Christ. Um, even, you know, the, the 12 apostles. So we have to be careful. Um, and it's not like I'm saying, oh, nobody can be called an apostle. I mean, personally, by my opinion, I think that they shouldn't be. Um, we should be careful with using titles as such, but I'm not coming at anybody. However, look at this biblically. The 12 apostles, what did it mean to be an apostle? What were the requirements of being an apostle, one of the 12 disciples of Christ? First, they were their first messengers of the gospel after death and after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Do the apostles today proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ alone and the things that Jesus has commanded? Are they making disciples or are they coming up with these different ministries and doing things like this like i've seen this a lot apostles having like prophetic ministries or deliverance ministries or things like that but the bible is clear that apostles were the first messengers of the gospel of jesus christ after his death and resurrection so um they were also for the foundation of the church with jesus being the cornerstone a lot of charismatic churches with apostles today Jesus is not the cornerstone. How do we know this? Because last time when we talked in the Wayward Church episode, we talked about how Jesus was locked out. Locked out, knocking on the door of the church of Laodicea. So that's how we know Jesus is not the cornerstone of every church. He's not in the heart of every church's congregation. Um, so this is something that we have to evaluate. Um, also, we're not building the foundation of the church anymore. The church is collectively the body of Christ. The church no longer needs foundation, um, foundational things. Why? Because we have the Bible. So we don't need that anymore. Um, but yeah, what were the qualifications of being an apostle in the Bible? One, you had to be a witness of the resurrected Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians 9.1. Two, you had to explicitly be chosen by the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 9.15. And you had to perform signs and wonders, according to Acts 2.43 and 2 Corinthians 12.12. 12. Um, so the important thing to notice is that we are not still working on the foundation of the church. It has already been established, keeping in mind that the church is not a building. The church is the whole body of believers collectively worldwide. Um, the foundation of the church is not being built anymore. We have the Holy Scriptures and this is what we should have lived by. Um, the closest thing that I believe we have to an apostle today is a missionary who goes out um, on specific missions of proclaiming the gospel. But, you know, biblically, um, apostle is mostly used to refer to the 12 apostles of Christ. 
um, you know, frequently today, those claiming to be apostles, they seek authority equal to or at least rival rivaling the authority of the original 12 apostles. I've seen apostles of today make entirely completely different doctrines from the Bible. And I'm pretty sure Paul said anybody who preaches a different gospel is to be accursed. So we have to be careful and evaluate these things. This is like this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of where your soul is going to be. Um, also, there's no biblical evidence to support such an understanding of the role of apostles today. Um, there isn't any. So in a sense, if we're talking about an apostle being an ambassador of Christ, we are all called to be apostles if we're looking in that case. Um, we are all to be Christ's amb ambassadors according to the Great Commission and to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. We're all to be ones who are sent out, which is what apostle an apostle means according to Acts 1-8. Um, so we are all to be preachers of the good news. So yeah, the next thing I want to talk about before we end this episode... <laughs> Ooh, this one is tough. Uh, <laughs> the next thing we want to talk about uh, before we end this episode is deliverance ministries. I've made some things recently about this um, and I have received a ton of messages and angry, you know, responses and etc. Um, but like I said, when you start challenging what people believe, um, it comes as a personal attack because that's their identity. And I understand that. Um, but just seeing deliverance ministries growing up and realizing that scripturally we're not told to have deliverance ministries and scripturally Christians are not told to seek out deliverance or to perform deliverance, it's questionable. Um, it's just questionable <laughs> in my opinion, but you don't have to agree. That's okay. But you are responsible to the scriptures you must submit to the authority of God's word and we must obey what God has said. So deliverance ministries. Um, deliverance ministries usually have a focus on casting out demons and spirits. Um, in many branches of the charismatic movement, demons are considered to be the cause of almost every maladity, hindrance, and problem. So an example of this would be uh, seeking to overcome anger by casting out the spirit of anger. But the Bible never says anything about deliverance as a ministry. Um, and I think we have to be careful with calling everything a ministry. Because um, if we're calling everything a, a ministry, it's almost like you love what you do, but you don't love God. You love what you do, but you don't love the people of God, meaning you don't love the bride of Christ, which is the church. So if we're out here calling everything a if we're out here calling everything a ministry, we have an issue and we have to be careful. Another example of this is the spirit of Leviathan. Um, and there's a sighting of it in Isaiah 27 verse 1. I'm actually going to read it for y'all. You can hear me, you know, flipping the pages. Isaiah 27 verse 1. Isaiah 27 verse 1 says, In that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. In the context, this is about the redemption of Israel. Redemption of Israel. <laughs> and this is probably, I'm actually pretty sure this is one of the only sightings that we see about Leviathan. Um, in the New Testament, it doesn't teach anything about Leviathan. I don't even think it mentions Leviathan in the New Testament. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me. Um, but 
A lot of people say, oh, just based on Isaiah 27, verse 1, that I just read to you, they say the Leviathan spirit is supposedly causing the twisting um, uh, of the meaning of people's words. Um, it, it, it turns people against each other. It instigates unrest. It causes stubbornness and rebellion against God. It causes insomnia, lack of spiritual growth, media deception, pride, reading dis um, disabilities, and even bickering but here's my thing some of these things that i just listen that i just listed cause of twisting the meaning of people's words turning people against each other unrest stubbornness rebellion against god these are things that we do by nature we are depraved and we rebel against god by nature by nature Be why because of our sinful nature that's why god had to do something for us so for us to all pin this upon a spirit instead of us actually making sinful decisions i feel like there's an issue there people may disagree that's okay um but yeah, scripture gives us no reason to believe that there is a demonic entity named Leviathan. Um, and it also doesn't give any reason for Christians to have a specific ability to rebuke or ex exercise this. It doesn't even, um, the Bible doesn't even indicate that we're meant to diagnose spiritual problems by identifying a particular demon. It really doesn't. Um, if you think about it, most of these spirits that they're talking about it is literally things that we do because of our sinful nature if you somebody lies excessively it's because they're a liar by nature we sin by nature unless the holy spirit comes and changes us through new birth that's our reality so we can't pin it on a spirit it really is ourselves and i feel like we don't understand that satan himself gets our mind off of course gets our mind off of studying the scriptures gets our minds off of god by making us focus on these things chasing demons and putting too much emphasis on the power of satan putting too much emphasis on satan himself putting too much emphasis on demons um and trying to identify particular demons not only that i think it's very divisive because you're saying oh this person has that spirit this person has that spirit this person has that spirit and really it's actually very discouraging um somebody may be struggling with something and they may have gotten angry for a second because they were upset and now you're saying that person has the spirit of anger when you don't walk daily life with them that's very dangerous and very divisive and very hurtful so we have to be careful um so yeah a demonic entity may be involved in a person's spiritual struggle but the bible gives us no guidelines in rebuking it remedying remedying the situation it requires prayer discipleship and obedience to god so a lot of times we think we need deliverance or a deliverance minister, but what we really need is prayer. We need discipleship. We need to be mentored. We need godly counsel. We need obedience to God. And we also need to um, have a good biblical church support of that. So we need to be careful with this. Um, also, in the Bible, the ability to cast out demons is not listed as a spiritual gift or a ministerial duty. It's never listed as that in the New Testament. Also, the gospel and the book of Acts they do relate to Jesus and the disciples casting out demons. However, Jesus was talking specifically to the disciples as far as commanding them to cast out demons. He was not speaking to us. That's why we that's the importance of studying the Bible and studying scriptures. He was speaking to the disciples. Who was he speaking to? What was happening? At what time was it happening? He was speaking to the disciples. We were not there. He was not speaking to us. He was not speaking to us. We have to be careful. But also the portions um that are actually teaching the teaching portions of the new testament are romans through jude um they refer to de demonic activity of course but they do not discuss a method for us casting demons out um they do not exhort believers 
to cast demons out. We are just told to put on the whole armor of God and to stand against spiritual wickedness, according to Ephesians 6. We are told to resist the devil, according to James 4, 7. Not to give him room in our lives, according to Ephesians 4, 27. Um, we're not even supposed to be having conversation with the devil at all. <laughs> not at all. When you look at the context of Jude chapter 1, verses 9, the angel didn't even spit blasphemous words against Satan. He didn't even argue with him. He simply said, the Lord rebuke you. That was it. So if even angels don't do it, what makes us think that we're commanded to do it? We are not told how to cast out demons out of others. Um, and we are not told that we should even consider doing so. So the reality is that all Christians have authority in the powerful name of Jesus. But there's no biblical support for deliverance ministries. We overcome struggles with the, with the past habits and addictions because of 1 John 4, 4, which says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We overcome past habits and addictions and sins and habits by regeneration, which is which the Holy Spirit makes us alive. He gives us new life. He gives us a new heart with new desires. Um, therefore, when we live by the Spirit, because of what jesus has made available to us we will change and we, those addictions will go away so if we're living the same for years and years and years it may not be that it's a specific spirit but that we have not truly experienced new birth or been born again so we have to be careful so we may need well actually not we may need we need prayer godly counsel and the support of a good church not necessarily a deliverance minister so the key to um to victory in the christian life is to be fulfilled not fulfilled filled fully filled empowered controlled by the holy spirit on a moment by moment basis according to ephesians 5 18 that is a decision we have to make moment by moment we need to be filled by the holy spirit so that we will not do sinful things so we that we will not fulfill the desires of our flesh because if we allow ongoing sin in our lives we do allow demons to oppress us but they can't inhabit us they can't possess us but they can't influence us if we allow ongoing sin to go in on in our lives the father knows who are his those who are led by the spirit of god are the children of god according to romans 8 14 the holy spirit will not indwell anyone who was not born again according to john 3 3 um verses actually yeah john chapter 3 verses 3 through 8 second timothy chapter 2 19 acts chapter 1 verse 8 and first corinthians 3 16 so the first step um in spiritual victory is to place our faith in jesus christ then rejoice that jesus is in you and you have his power and his victory so we're not necessarily commanded to have deliverance ministries and i think when we put too much emphasis on these things we have situations where people are so dependent upon deliverance ministers that if they don't see one or if they can't get help they can't come out of it and it's very scary so what happens if you think you have a spirit and they can't get it out of you what do you do what happens if it comes back? What if it's just your flesh? Um, and people really be scaring people out here. You know, I got really scared about this. And the reason why I'm even speaking about this and brought it up is because this girl, she was stuck and she couldn't come out of it because she thought she needed a deliverance minister. But what she really needed was discipleship. What she really needed was somebody to just talk to her. What she needed was to just really get what was pressing on her out. She didn't need a deliverance. So we need to be careful when we're saying that Christians need deliverance because the Bible does not say that. It says that we must receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and we will be born again, made alive by the spirit of God. So with that being said, I believe this uh, episode is already long enough. So I'm going to continue in part two, Lord willing. Um, you will see that coming out next week. So, you know, I would just leave you with these, these last encouraging words. Test every spirit. 
according to first john 4 test every spirit i'm not saying be against everything but test everything be a berean actually i'll read for you acts chapter 17 verse 11 to make it very clear Acts 17, 11. Mm, mm, mm. Actually, let's, look, let's go to Acts 17, 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the words with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I didn't even know it said daily. That's what we're supposed to do, daily. So I encourage you, be a Berean everything of doctrine that you get test it seek the scriptures to see if those things are so it doesn't mean that you have to be combative and go against them no but test and see if it is so so with all that being said i love y'all test everything stick to the word of god this is the final authority of every believer we will be judged by it at the last day that's what jesus said um so with all that being said grace peace and love see you in part two next week lord willing